It's the most wonderful thing when you find yourself crying and you're not sad. <laughs> so this message is sort of prepared out of necessity. Um, in my eyes, we're still a sort of a baby church. Uh, just over two years old. And uh, a lot of different people have come in and kinds of people have come in and have come in from different areas of life and different experiences, church experiences. And uh, I, I think the, the first church had, had the the privilege of sort of just being born into the right <laughs> into the right kind of atmosphere or the right kind of uh, culture or, or uh, but but we it's like a husband and a wife who get married and they haven't looked after themselves and they've been with many people so they come into marriage with a lot of nonsense and baggage and and uh, that's how we come into church. With a lot of nonsense and baggage because of past experiences and past hurts and developing all kinds of uh, allergies. Uh, I was thinking, am I going to kill my cat because I'm allergic to cats? My children love cats and so I learned to live with the allergy kind of thing. And um, I've, I've prepared many, many, many uh, scriptures and verses. Don't know where we're going to get. I've been praying and asking Holy Spirit, uh, saying, you know, what I, whatever I've prepared and is also just out of past experiences and past knowledge and what we've learned and it's inadequate to come to the truth and the only way that we can come to the truth is if we open our hearts for the Holy Spirit to the spirit of truth to come and reveal the truth to us and we must desire this truth with everything in us because if we don't find it, we will miss it. <laughs> we will miss the boat. We will not get on the journey. We will literally not get on the train that the Lord wants us to get onto and to come to the place where He wants us to go to experience the fullness of what He has given us in Christ. So there's been, we've, we've, we've started to experience and see like a trickle of the manifestation of the Spirit. Some people falling while we're praying for them and things happening in, in small groups. And then all of a sudden, along with that comes skepticism and a fear of evil. <laughs> but Paul says, be innocent of evil. 
Don't look for evil in everything. Because then you'll miss the big thing. You'll miss the real thing. If you start looking for evil in everything. So I've been asking the Holy Spirit since this morning when I woke up to please come and let Him do the, the move and the talking. And I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what is, what's, I don't know. All I know that I, I've, I've been experiencing something that I haven't, I've, I've, I've been experiencing that I'm possessed this whole morning. It's like, I don't know. When I wanted to pray this morning, it was like something else was in my mouth. Amper as ek by die tandarts was. My mond is dood. I had a prophecy one day. Someone prophesied the Ezekiel thing that the Lord will come and put a coal on my mouth. And may it be that, that it will be his words and his, his heart. And, and what we need is not to be uniform, but to be in unity. I got that from Cheswa. We were sitting around the table in the week talking about small groups and communities and stuff like that. And she said this beautiful thing. She said, you don't have to be uniform to be in unity. We don't need to look at things the same way or do things the same way or, or follow the same recipes to be in the same spirit. And what we must realize is that we have been drawn and we have been pulled into the same spirit by Jesus Christ. And not one of us can boast or say that I have gotten myself to that place or I am the cause of what I'm exp um, what of where I am in the spirit. But at the same time, I also need to say, and I've been like feeling this in, in the worship, is that each person determines his own experience with the Lord. Because the Lord will never, ever, ever impose any spiritual experience on you that you do not welcome. He's, he's too gentle for that. Well, I might be not speaking the truth because Paul did not welcome <laughs> his experience on the road to Damascus. The Lord whacked him. In his kindness. In his kindness. But, but Paul's heart was sincere. He was doing the wrong thing with a sincere heart. He was not trying to to rebel against God. And one of the things that I prayed before the time we were in the group that came up was a sincere apology and repentance to the Lord for our desire and need to be in control 
even of what the Lord needs to do with his body. We are trying to tell God how to handle his body. We are trying to tell Jesus how to handle his body because of our insecurities and our fears and, and, and those kind of things. So we close ourselves up for, for whatever the Lord wants to do. I, I would never be able to do drugs or like drink so much that I, that I lose control because I hate losing control. I cannot stand losing control. But there are, there are many who love losing control. And it's funny how we are willing to lose control with substances, but not lose control with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And it's our desire to be in control that is, that is literally stopping Him from doing what He wants to do. Yes, we have legitimate fears. Yes, we've, the, 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 the gospel and the power of God and the Holy Spirit and those things have been misused by many. That is a fact. And it's so unfortunate. But so have people made many, many, many dollars that are counterfeit. And who of us now will stop using cash because somebody once made a counterfeit note? You can only counterfeit something that has got worth and that is worth something. You can only counterfeit something that is the truth. And if the enemy wants and he wants to counterfeit experiences with the Lord, God is bigger than that. When Gerard sent me a message this morning, he said he's sorry that he can't be here, they're not well, but cough, coughing and things like that. And, and he just, he said to me, he said, uh, because I, I sent us out the message of what we're going to talk about this morning. He said to me, what is important is not how you fall, but how you get up. The Lord is able to take, let's say for instance, myself and Rainey and whoever goes on a power trip and we go and we're pushing people down and whatever and they fall down. The Lord is still able to go and to change that person's life in that. Amen. So what I want to say is, let us, yes, and I preek na nie ek het jylle baie, baie mooi ding uit uitgewerk. Let us not stop what the Holy Spirit wants to do for fear of being wrong. Amen. Amen. I always have this saying that God only steers a moving ship. You can only steer a moving ship, a ship that is not moving will not be able to turn in a direction. It needs to go somewhere so that the rudder can change the direction. And if the enemy can get us to the place where we are too afraid to move, he's got us where he wants us. 
because then we will not grow, we will stagnate, we will be completely useless to the kingdom of God. Even the apostles many times, you can read in Acts, that Paul says, we tried to go in this direction and the God stopped us. Then we tried to go in this direction, then the Lord stopped us. And then we tried and eventually sort of we got it right. But they were moving because they were compelled by experiencing and doing that all God has given them to do. When Jesus prayed in John 17, he said, Father, I have glorified your name by completing the task that you have given me to do. What if Jesus was so afraid to make a mistake that he just like sat at home and said, Oh, you know, I know that that person needs healing, but just now I'm not doing it by the power of the Spirit. Just now I'm doing it by by my own power. So I'd rather not do it. How would he then reveal the Father. Let's talk about some of the reasons that the Lord does manifest and reveal Himself so that we can understand why it's important. Paul says in Philippians 3.10, he says, For my determined purpose is that I may know Him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of His person. Those are all experiential words. Perceive, recognize, understand. You gain through experience. You don't gain that through just reading about or just hearing about. And his desire is to know the Lord in all his fullness. Through experience. Experiential knowledge. So all through time, all through the Old Testament, we see that God desires to make Himself known to the people. Not about Him, but to know Him personally. Right from the beginning, the Lord did not just leave clues to Adam and Eve as to who He was. He came and He walked with them. In the garden. Just imagine that. Once again, for those of, who are, who are, those of us who are married, the person you know best in your life is the one that you are married to. Because you walk with them. You do life with them. You know what their socks smell like when they take off their shoes. (laughs) (laughs) You know their ugly and you know their beauty. 
You know the depths of their heart. You know the, the, the limits of their abilities. You know everything about them because you walk with them. So God's desire was for Adam and Eve to walk with Him daily, to, to experience Him, to, to experience the fullness of His character and who He was. Why? Because He gave them dominion over the earth to rule the earth as He would. But how can they rule the earth as He would if they were not filled with the experience of who He is? Know His character. How could they know love? For He is love if they did not experience His love. How could they know His grace and His mercy and His goodness? I said last week after worship that I think our big problem in the church is that we don't know God. We know about Him, but we don't know Him. And He desires for us to know Him, to be intimately acquainted with Him through experience. And that's one of the main reasons that He wants to manifest Himself. Second Peter 1 verse 1 and 2 says, May grace, God's unmerited favor and peace, which is perfect well-being, all necessary good, all spiritual prosperity and freedom from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts be multiplied to you in the full, personal, precise and correct knowledge of God. The Lord wants to reveal Himself to you so that you can have a full and personal experience of who He is. Something came over me here in worship just now. I couldn't stop myself. I just said, said over and over and over and over, glory to you, glory to you, glory to you. And something like... I don't know what it was, but, but something was like just rising up inside of me. I know what it was. But. I did not make it happen. I did not want it even. I didn't even think in that way. But it just rose up inside of me because in worship, as I worshipped, a revelation of the glory of the Lord came into my spirit. And all that could come out of my mouth was glory, and I was not in control of that. I literally spoke that out without deciding to speak it out. And that's on the back of like all this morning I've been saying to the Holy Spirit, I will not hinder you. I will not hinder you. Would you come and possess me? 
Would you fill my body? Would you use my body? Would you do? And that is our problem, is that we want to be in control. We want to be the ones that decides how God moves us. And we cannot if we want to live in the fullness of what He wants. And sometimes that will look crazy. But it will be life. What do you think it looked like on the day of Pentecost? Do, do you think it was like Everyone was sitting, all 120 were sitting in a room on nicely packed chairs and all that. And we say like, okay, Holy Spirit, come. Waiting and waiting. That's the first thing that sort of they did is the Lord told them to go and wait. Expectantly for the gift of God. So they waited and waited and waited. And then in a manifestation like people would would say this is like not from the Lord. Sound of rushing wind and fire coming in. Can you my tissue over then, And then, bye, thank you. Um, and then what we read is that people started talking in all kinds of tongues. But that doesn't give me reason. When, when I go into a place and someone starts speaking to me in Japanese, I'm not going to say he's drunk. I'm going to say he speaks Japanese. For people to have having to say that they were completely off their mind, like an is poop drunk. <laughs> that things needed to be crazy and wild. People falling around, laughing, crying, jumping up for joy, praising the Lord. Others repenting and crying in the presence of the Lord. Like crazy stuff. And people walk in there and say, you're less drunk. And Peter said, no, they're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. What has happened was what was written in Joel. That the Spirit of the Lord would be poured out on all flesh. All flesh. And you will see these signs and manifestations. Mm. Prophetics, visions, dreams. And that doesn't mean that only old men dream dreams. And young men have visions. It literally says, it doesn't matter who you are. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. 
And each person, that is the beautiful thing about this, is that each one of us, our bodies react differently to the presence of the Lord. We know that by now. Like my main work. My trouble loop. I create a beaver here in my very interesting thing that I heard from Bill Johnson once is um, he said when, when fighter pilots go into training, they have to take them to the place where they almost have no oxygen to learn what their bodies do in that condition. Because for each person it's different. So that if something happens and, and the instruments don't work or whatever and the oxygen gets low and their bodies start manifesting that they know then that that is what's happening. And he says it's the same with the presence of the Lord. And I think if we go and listen to a few stories, each of them will testify of how the Holy Spirit does something different in your body when the presence of the Lord falls. So Rani can't go and say, nee, jou nees loop nie, so jy het nie nou in die teenwoordigheid van die Heere. But we do that. We go and say, oh no, no, you must fall forward, you can't fall backwards, otherwise it's not the presence of the Lord. No, your tongue doesn't sound like it's right. It must sound more like this. And I think one thing that the Lord dropped in my heart, I fall around. Anyways, one thing that the Lord dropped in my heart is I think there's one bit of discernment that we will pick up very quickly. Is the gift draws attention to God and us knowing Him and never to ourselves. And the moment the gift starts drawing attention to you, you can know that you're in the flesh. Because it's possible to operate in the gift without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It is possible. And we need to learn that and be careful of that. Edward told me the story last week of, was it John Wesley? Who went to, to a tell a story about the people that, that fell and then the sixth one was John G. Lake. John G. Lake, John G. Lake went to go, he mentored quite a couple of people and they went to, he was not really on that time, there was something ministering by his church, so he went to one of the people he was ministering or mentoring and he went to go sit in the service and while it came to the end part and he called them and the presence of God really fell and 12 people came forward and got struck really heavily and literally as he would they got struck and they would hit the floor with incredible intensity. And it went by, all 12, and we just finished. John Gillet got up and he went to the guy in his head. Sure. And I looked at him like, wow, God really, really moved today. And he looked at him and he said, so how many people do you think were touched and changed by the Lord? And he said, all of them. And he looked at them, 
came with incredible love and he said, only six. And the king said, what do you say? What do you mean? He says, after the sixth one, you went into the flesh and the outlast six were not even touched or changed. They only underwent the presence of your gifting and they were never changed. And then was shocked and that has never left him. So you can be struck by the gifting, but if you know the anointing of the Lord, we will never be changed. Thank you. And that's the goal and that's the, that's the thing. And it is something that we must know and it's something that we must be wary of when we start moving in this and something that we must be honest to check one another with. I'm not saying that when a manifestation happens that it can only be the Lord because it can be even the gifting that the Lord has given you but outside of His authority and His anointing. I don't know how it works, but it is possible. The gifts are irrevocable, says the word. That's right. So there are two things that we must make sure that we never, ever, 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 ever do anything in the spirit that will draw attention to us. It's about God and it's about knowing God and it's about getting intimately acquainted with Him and change the lives. Susan Gharat said, it's not how you fall, it's how you get up. But it's not a reason to run away and say we will not pursue this we will not pursue the power of the Lord. We will not pursue the Holy Spirit. We will not pursue what He wants to do because someone might get it wrong. Because the fact is that we will sometimes get it wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you right now. We will sometimes give a wrong word or an inaccurate word or give the one person's word to somebody else. It will happen. But God is bigger than that. What we need to pursue is growth in the Spirit and growth in the church, the edification of the church. And therefore, I refuse, I refuse to do nothing. <laughs> I refuse to stay in the place where we just come warm the benches each Sunday or in our communities. When you go for tactical training or for all those kind of things to be able to be ready for the day when war comes. You have to endure things that are not nice. <laughs> you have to test the limits of your body. You have to know how much you can bear and how, where you can go through. And it's not new to you. It's not something that you have known. All is new to you. It's, it's something that your body resists. And in the same way, in all of us, there will be something that sort of, that pushes back and say, this is uncomfortable, or this is scary, or this is something that I don't know if I want to do it. 
in variance, that's fine. <laughs> we can move on our own pace as long as we move. And as long as we don't resist. Because we cannot resist the devil, oh, the enemy, the Holy Spirit. We cannot resist the Holy Spirit. All throughout the scriptures, we see God wanting to manifest himself. We read in um, Exodus 20. So the Lord called them to the mountain. He wants to show them who he is. He's just given them the Ten Commandments. Focus on the family speaks about parenting. He says, discipline without relationship breeds rebellion. For die wat ouders is. So the Lord gives them the Ten Commandments and then He wants to reveal Himself to them. Because the commandments without knowing who He is will breed rebellion. The commandments without a revelation of the glory of God and His holiness and who He is will be just a list of do's and don'ts that means nothing. And the only reason that you are keeping them is because you are afraid for your life. But there's nothing in your desire to please the Lord. There's nothing of your desire to live up to who He is and what He is. His essence So the Lord tries to reveal himself to them. But the revelation of the Lord in many times in the Old Testament is a terrible, terrible thing. It is scary. Why? Not because he's scary, but because we are so far removed from him. In the Old Testament. Ezekiel, woe to me, for I'm a man of Filthy lips. When he comes into the presence of the Lord. So these people, when the Lord heard, oh, when the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke bellowing from the mountain, Hiriasni, it's not uh, hypothetical about the word of Metaphoric. This happened. Imagine you come to a place of worship and all of a sudden the mountains start shaking and there's thunder and there's lightning and the clouds come down and you like it feels like the end of the world. My question sometimes to myself is how do I really fear the Lord? Do I, and I will only fear him when I know him, when I allow him to reveal himself to me. So this is the reaction of the people. They stood at a distance, trembling with fear, and they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, 
but don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. <coughs> then Moses said, don't be afraid for God has come in this way to test you and so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. I have been to churches where they treat the presence and the manifestation of the Lord as something to have fun with. That is not the purpose. Literally, we're going to have some fun with God, they say. Friends of mine. And then the Lord is gracious and, and, and His presence comes, I don't know, some, maybe some is manufactured or whatever. But what I realize is that the presence of the Lord is for the purpose of us knowing His glory. And His glory is not something to play with. His glory is there to make us holy and more like His Son. And you know what? We can preach as good as we can possibly preach. We can be the most gifted preachers in the world, any, anyone. No life will change for real, for good. If we do not have a manifestation of the glory of God, where we, have, where we see Him, and realize who he is. A good preacher will last you until Wednesday. <laughs> and then you need to go to community to get the next bit of inspiting. And then it's a long stretch again to Sunday. So then you work in a coffee or two with somebody just to like give you a little bit of a But if you come into the presence of the Lord and you allow Him to change you, you allow Him to come and reveal Himself to you, your life is changed forever. Amen. Amen. Yes. I wrote here after that, the manifestation of God will lead to an experience of Him. And that will lead to a reverence for Him. And that will lead to a life of holiness. Experience, reverence, lifestyle. To be completely filled. To be completely changed in His glory. Do I need to give you examples from the Bible of what happened to people in the glory of the Lord? That it's completely biblical for the Lord to reveal Himself and that people actually manifest in some way. Abram. So the Lord came to him and wanted to make a covenant with him. And the Lord told him to prepare for this covenant. 
and he had to take a heifer and a goat and a ram and a turtle dove and a pigeon and the animals he cut in half, or the, the big ones and the birds he left. And as soon as he has prepared them, the word says a great terror came on him. And I actually went and looked that up a bit. It's like, like a, 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 almost a great depression, darkness. And it knocked him out. Knocked him out. And I was thinking, Lord, why was it necessary to knock him out? And it seems what I'm thinking is that the Lord needed to bypass his human thinking and speak into his spirit man and reveal to his spirit man the promise. Because with his thinking, we reason away the promises of God. But when the Lord reveals into our spirit the truth, it manifests faith. So right after that, after the Lord knocked him out and then he told him, he said that, that I will give you the land of promise and you will, I will make you a nation like the stars and, and all that kind of things. And right after that, he went to him and Sarah, he said, okay, you will have a son who will become a great nation. And what I'm thinking is that this experience and revelation of the Lord gave him the faith to receive the promise of the Lord. And it's because of his faith that he stood righteous before God. Without a vision, you will perish. So that knocking out changed his life, changed the way that he sees God, changed the way that is. Abram was actually, before God called him, he was a heathen. He was a barbaric man. He wasn't, didn't grow up in church or like get schooled in who the Lord is. The Lord not needed to knock him out and do something inside of him to reveal himself to him. So that he can walk in faith. Ne? We know about Moses who went into the presence of God and he came back and his face was like shining. I, I, I want that manifestation. Come on. I'm thinking of a joke that I made with you the other day. Oh, we were in Vintic and we visited a community there. And uh, so there was this one lady is a beautician or something. She was speaking about this treatment that she did and, and all that. And I was just joking. And I said, like to her, I said, yeah, that took, she said, this takes time. <laughs> you know, to look like this. To come out radiant in the presence of God, it takes time. <laughs> 2 Chronicles 5 And when the priests had come out of the holy place for all the priests present had sanctified themselves separating themselves from everything that def um, defiles without regard to their divisions 
and all the Levites who were singers, all of those of Asaph, Hermon, and Jedutan, uh, with their sons and kinsmen arrayed in fine linen, having cymbals, harps, and lyres, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them 120 priests blowing trumpets. And when the trumpeters and singers were joined in unison, making one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. The worship this morning was wonderful to me. It was so simple. Yet everyone, it was like there was a sense of unity. Singing out together to the Lord. Uncomplicated. It's like, I think we should throw the projector away. <laughs> Just out of your hearts. Joined in unison, making one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voices with the trumpets and the cymbals and the other instruments for song and praising and praise the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy and loving kindness endure forever. Then the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. So that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Once again, all the while being very, very, very sensitive that I do nothing like out of flesh. It is easy to like go like this, you know. It's very easy. But it's also easy to stop it. If the Holy Spirit and the Lord wants to do it and you want to take control, then you miss it. We cannot miss the experience with the Lord because we are scared of a counterfeit. We've prayed many times for people to receive tongues, to pray, to pray in tongues. And one of the reasons that I've found that people do not manifest it is because they are afraid that they manufacture it. That they're afraid that this is not from the Lord. So they rather do nothing. So I explain to people, and you must help me if I'm wrong, but I explain to them, if you get into the car, you will not go anywhere unless you put your foot on the pedal and move it. In the same way, the faith action is to start moving your faculties. That's the faith action and the rest will come. But we can do a talk on that sometime. Same thing happened in 2 Chronicles 7. The glory of the Lord came upon the house and they bowed with their faces upon the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord saying for he is good for his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. John in his revelation fell before the Lord as if dead. The Lord was crazy. Like knocked out. Same with Abram. 
All I'm trying to do is, is to just make sure that we know that this is not foreign. There are real things. The truth is, or the reality is, that this is true with God and the presence of God. It happens. We're not going to stop using cash because someone once made a false note. In the same way, we are not going to stop pursuing the power of God in this place because there's a possibility that someone might come in and use it for his own benefit. My thinking about that is that is between him and God. You make sure that you are standing in righteousness before him. You make sure that you are not manufacturing something. And you make sure that you stay reliant and humble and completely uh, submissive to the Holy Spirit to allow Him to do with you whatever He desires to do. And you will experience the fullness of it. Hoor jylle wat ek sê? Kom ons allemaal saal op die salle bladsei. Who knows that Paul went up to heaven while he was still alive? Nee? So, dit is nie a kultiese ding nie. You don't have to be in a cult to go to heaven. Or to go and do stuff. Um, Philip, Astro traveled. He was literally taken from one place and put down in another place after he spoke to the Enoch and baptized him. God can do whatever He wants with us. He created us. He can do whatever He wants with our bodies because we belong to Him. We, we look at the verse and we say that, that you do not belong to yourself. You were bought with a price, the precious blood of Christ at um, 1 Corinthians 6. And we think, okay, in context, he speaks about sexual immorality and all that kind of things. But the same principle is true for what he wants to do. I'm just thinking, what would happen if we come to church, something like I experienced this morning, and was just very, very sensitive not to stop anything that he wants to do. Not manufacture anything, but also not to stop anything. Do you see that very fine, fine line and fine balance? I'm not denying that it's possible to manufacture stuff. It is. But that's between you and God. If you use a gift, or if you use the presence of the Lord to draw attention to yourself, God will require an explanation from you. But if you don't move in the giftings and the power that the Lord has given you, He will require an explanation from you. Mm -hmm. The five talents. 
The one was too afraid, so he hid it. The other one went out with boldness and developed it. To who did the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant? But, but worst is, that one that hid it was told to be wicked and lazy servant. That's right. That's right. I don't know about you, but I would rather make mistakes in trying to develop the gifts that God has given me. I'd rather miss it a few times. I'd rather, like, give a few words or whatever that might be a little bit inaccurate or whatever. And develop it. Than hide it away. Okay, so that brings us to the other, other purposes of the manifestations. The one other purpose is witnessing. Yeah? We all know Acts 1.8. Once when they were eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So then the apostles were, were, were with Jesus. They kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So they ask Jesus about restoring the kingdom and he answers them about receiving the Holy Spirit. He did not change the subject. It wasn't an uncomfortable question that he didn't know the answer to. And then he changed the subject from when is God going to restore the kingdom to you will receive the power. Verstaan jylle? It is impossible to restore the kingdom of God without the power and manifestation of the Holy Spirit. We will not preach the world into salvation. We will not preach the world into knowing God. Romans 15, 16 to 19 says, I'm a special messenger from uh, Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. I bring you the good news so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God made holy by the Holy Spirit. So I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ Jesus has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, 
I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. The gospel without the moving of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit and the manifestations is half-baked. We cannot have just the one. I've got a whole section here that says, so what about our church meetings? Let me just read 1 Corinthians 12. 4 to 11, there are many different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. Okay? The source of what happens, the source of the gifts, the source of the manifestations is the Holy Spirit. Damien. You cannot have a false Holy Spirit. That doesn't exist. You can have other spirits, but not a false Holy Spirit. He cannot be false. He cannot be wrong. He cannot do anything that will hurt you or will hurt the church. He cannot bring division. Other spirits do. And if our focus and our eyes are set on Him, then we will stay in the truth. Then we will not be deceived. I know there's a lot of questions about deception and all those kind of things. Yes, there are warnings about deception. But like I said earlier, and I'll read it just now as well, be innocent of evil and knowledgeable about the Spirit of God. What, is, what are you focusing on? What are we looking for? Let's be honest with ourselves and say, if we walk in here, or if we walk into a church, or if we walk in, what glasses do we have on? Do we have the glasses that look for all things evil? Because then you will see all things evil. To those who are pure, all things are pure. Or do we have glasses on that look for God? That look for the real thing? That look for the manifestation of the Spirit? Because that is then what you will see and experience. Everyone, anyone who's done like racing or bike riding or whatever, especially at a very high speed, you will go into what you look at. You will literally go there. Because things happen so quickly and so fast that wherever you focus, the rest of everything about you will go there. That's why if, if there's an accident in front of you, you don't look at the accident, you look for the way out. You look for your escape route. So when we come here, what do we look for? 
Do we look for the evil things or do we look for the real thing? So he's the source of them all. There are different kinds of services, uh, but we serve the same God. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Say how each of us. Say how a spiritual gift is given to me. How open are we when we walk in here? The Holy Spirit, use me today. Gebruik my vandag. In whichever way you want. To each one of us, so we can help each other. For the uplifting in the building of the church, the edification. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern uh, whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another Spirit. That is necessary. So let's say, for instance, someone does get up and move in another spirit. Then the Holy Spirit will put on someone else the discernment to say, that is not from God. Then you get up and you say, I want to say that the Holy Spirit is working in me that that is not from God. Not let it go. And form two parties. Now you go with that spirit and I'll go with this spirit. See, our desire and our heart must always be for the one, for the, for the church, the edification of the church. <coughs> Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown tongues while others are given... Or another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Is it nodig dat ek sê, these gifts don't make you gifted? It's not about you. And if you use the gift to draw attention to yourself, you are of another spirit. Easy as that. Can I give a few verses out of 1 Corinthians 14? I know, 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Holy Spirit gives especially the ability to prophesy. Verse 5 says, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you are saying, so that the whole church will be strengthened. Verse 12, 
And the same is true for you since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives. Seek those that will strengthen the whole church. Verse 18 and 19, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Verse 20, dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babes when it comes to evil, but be mature in understanding matters of this kind. 22-25, so you see that speaking in tongues is a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. Even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they will think you are crazy. But if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convinced of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly here among you. And that is the purpose of it. Salvation, knowing God, being transformed and changed in His presence. And this is the last bit, is what I desire that our church meetings should be like. Well, my brothers and sisters, Let's summarize, and I'll summarize with this. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given, one will speak in tongues, and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. So let's leave it at that. One day I will stand before the Lord. And He is going to ask me, He's going to tell me, I asked you to plant a church. I gave you the vision for a community. I sent people to you who are entrusted to you to help them grow in knowing me, in having revelation of who I am, to help them transform their lives so that they can look like my son, like Jesus, to be transformed in the image of Christ. I don't want him to say that I gave you everything you needed. I gave you the Spirit. I gave you the right people. And you did not grow it. You poured water on it instead of more... Uh, Oil, <laughs> Holy Spirit oil on the fire. I do not want to be there. 
I'm going to say this with all the respect and love in my heart. If you feel that church is supposed to be a place where things must always be set out and things must always be in correct order and in control of whoever is standing in front or leading it, then this is not your church. Because with everything in me, I want to pursue the Lord and the fullness of what He wants and what He desires. And if we make mistakes, we make mistakes. But you only fail when you don't grow. (laughs) If we get it wrong, God is greater and bigger than that. And He will be gracious to keep steering us and steering us in the right direction as long as we keep moving forward. And I refuse to stagnate. I refuse to bury ourselves so that we can be comfortable. That is just our position on it. Ek weet nie, ek gaan nie vraag dat jylle staan nie, ek gaan nie vraag dat jylle commitment maak of enig iets van die aard nie. It's between you and the Lord. But let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, I ask and I trust that whatever has come out of my mouth, that even if it was wrong or if it was not as you intended, that you would take the truth and plant it in our hearts and have that bear fruit and manifest in us. Thank you for being so gracious and kind to use flesh and blood, humans, to manifest your works and to do your things. Thank you for your gracious and your kindness, mercy. I ask that you will come and that you will pour your life and your truth out into our hearts. I ask that as we go home that you will keep working this in our hearts so that we might be a body with Christ as the head that is completely and fully surrendered to Him and Him alone. I am not the head of this church. You are the head of this church. And my desire is, Lord, that you will have no disability in this body. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.